Turn to the sixth chapter of the book of Proverbs. I was in Houston yesterday. I took uh, one of my daughters down there to audition for a play that's in Amarillo. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen the Texas program before at Paladura Canyon. She uh, auditioned for that, and they noticed on her resume thing that she knew a lot about horses, and they asked her, how would you feel about riding a galloping horse across a cliff carrying a flag while fireworks are going off? (laughs) She said, I'd love it. Um, Some people have asked about the CDs. Uh, Five seems to be missing. Uh, We're trying to track it down. The individual that has been taking care of it has left, so we're trying to figure out who's responsible for what. So hopefully it'll show back up, but you never know. It's kind of a mess down there. Last week, We did chapter 5, and we looked at a pattern where basically God creates us with certain needs. God creates a way of satisfying that need. But to obtain the satisfaction that God desires requires discipline and wisdom on our part. And we have this natural desire to try to satisfy these needs in ways that are contrary to the will of God. And that brings about destruction. We were actually talking about the adulterous woman. And we were talking about being satisfied with your spouse. I think it is fascinating. I was reading an article this week by a feminist. And she was talking about the long-term effects of pornography on a relationship. And she actually quoted... Proverbs chapter 5, favorably. The fact that pornography prevents us from being satisfied with our spouse. And that spouses want to be the source of satisfaction. And that it is prevented in our society today. I just thought it was curious that a feminist would be quoting Proverbs chapter 5 favorably. So we're picking up... In in chapter 6 with verse 1. Chapter 6 covers a variety of different topics. Hopefully we'll make it through the first half of it today. And then next week we're back to the adulterous woman. Ha ha. We'll do that quickly. My son, if you put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands and pledged for another, if you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. You see the picture. It is simply this. Don't go co-signing notes. Anybody want to complain? We'll go on to the next section. No. We are dealing with basic business, business, basic life principles here. This is pretty standard stuff. Don't go signing onto a debt incurred by someone else 
because nothing good is going to come of it. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, notice this is his neighbor, obviously someone that he has a good relationship with. This is not some enemy coming up, pointing a gun at your head, saying, give me money. It's simply somebody saying, I need to borrow money and I need you to co-sign it. That's what it's talking about right here. And you say, sure, why not? So I have to ask the question, what's wrong with doing this? It seems like a nice thing to do. Hmm? <laughs> if you want an enemy, that's what you get. Why is that? <laughs> And he lives next door. It doesn't allow God to provide for the other person. Let's look at this because it is kind of, there are some general principles underneath all of this. If you remember, we have that verse in the New Testament about not being unequally yoked. And we always use that with regard to marriage. And it applies to marriage. Don't marry an unbeliever because you are unequally yoked. But it equally applies to business dealings and other dealings where you are attaching yourself, you are committing yourself for better or for worse. And when you attach yourself financially to your neighbor... You have put that neighbor in obligation to you, and if things go bad, as Wally pointed out, the relationship is going to be destroyed. I mean, it's as simple as that. But there are other interesting aspects of this. God uses financial situations to chastise us, to punish us, to direct us through paths in life. Now watch this. If I attach myself financially to my neighbor, when my neighbor needs to be chastised by God, who's going to be chastised with them? Me. I am putting myself into a position where when God punishes them, I too will suffer for it. Now there's the obvious observation that if the individual was financially sound and prudent and etc., they probably wouldn't need somebody to co-sign the loan, right? The fact that they need somebody to co-sign the loan is an indicator of some issue or problem to begin with. For example, the next section we're going to deal with here in just a few minutes has to do with the sluggard, the lazy man. Well, if you financially attach yourself to the sluggard, everything that the sluggard suffers, you get to suffer with them. So not only does it destroy the relationship, because all of a sudden, what should be a friendly relationship now becomes a business relationship, which we all know are different. They really are 
Now, I might add at this point that biblically, there's absolutely nothing wrong with giving your neighbor money. If they actually have to have the money to survive, to eat, biblically, you're to give them the money, which is very different than co-signing their note. Let's read the passage quickly. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have struck hands in pledge for another, if you have been trapped by what you said, our words trap us. Sure, I'll do it. And then they show up with the paperwork, and it's like, ooh, what have I done? Ensnared by the words of your mouth. That's an interesting phrase. Our words bind us. Our words commit us to courses of action. And if we don't watch our words, if we don't watch what we say, our words can bind us in ways that we shouldn't be bound. There are ways that we are supposed to be bound. We are to be bound to God. We are to verbally commit ourselves uh, to attach ourselves to God. We bind ourselves when we get married. When you stand up in front of God and witnesses, you bind yourself to someone else. And that's a good thing. But wisdom requires that we be very, very careful. Then do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. That's, a, that's an odd phrase there, too. You have fallen into his hands. You know, it almost sounds like it's your enemy, and you've been trapped by him once again. Maybe you have. If his life was in order, he wouldn't be coming to you to co-sign his note. If he revealed everything about his nature, his character, his financial situation, you might not be signing the note. It is quite possible that you have been ensnared, not told all the truth. Huh, yes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the neighbor. And they don't care. The person who originates the note, they don't care. All they're interested in is their money. That really is a business relationship. And that shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't surprise us. It's the old phrase. It just, it's just business. Your relationship with your neighbor is supposed to be different than just business. So, we are told, go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. Yes? The question is, does this apply to your children and your relatives? Yes. 
Shall we have a show of hands and do this the old-fashioned way and take a vote? My answer is yes. Is that your answer? <laughs> Go ahead. Just give it to them. You have attached yourself to another individual, and when God wants to deal with them, you get to enjoy the pain. Now, it is interesting at this point. Let me just have an aside here, okay? This is an aside about the Word of God in general. Why should we not co-sign a note? The first answer should always be, you ready for this? This is hard. Because God told us not to. Now, we in our very pragmatic minds want evidence of that. And if the evidence is good, then I will do what God has instructed me to do. Now, the reality is, is that the book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. It tells us how to live our life. It tells us how to better live our lives. So there are evidences. But the reality is, the scripture says, don't do it. And if you have done it, get out of it as fast as you can. Preferably, preferably before disaster strikes. Now, this is interesting because it says, go to your neighbor and humble yourself. In one sense, this is humiliating. You know, I signed that piece of paper. Is there some way we can redo this business arrangement to get my signature off that piece of paper? And it's very hard to do. Yes, go ahead. That's a very good point. We are enabling them to continue to be financially irresponsible. Once again, that idea of ensnaring. We don't, you know, I'm living with my, next door to my neighbor. They're nice people. But they need the money. So they're not going to come to me and say, you know, I'm a lousy, lazy no good, can't keep a job because I get mad and angry at everybody, person. But I need some money. Will you kind of, they won't tell you that. Okay? They are going to blame it on someone else. They're going to talk about the tough financial times. And financial times are tough. Okay? They just are. They're not going to tell you their character. They're going to use that relationship to get you to put your name on the piece of paper. So, should it be done to relatives, children? The answer is probably not. And all the hands come flying up. Yes, Alan. <laughs> the fact is that this gives you a chance 
Well, repeat it again, because, see, his observation was, you know, if you're going to give them the money anyway, go ahead and co-sign the note and use that as an opportunity to test their character, okay? And that, I, I could almost make sense with that. But the problem with it is if you don't have the money to give it to them in the first place, you're ob obligating yourself to something that you can't afford. Okay? And um, anyway. You still have the God says not to do it is her observation. Yes, Phil. <laughs> well, we'll be the good uh, Pharisee who comes to Jesus and says, who is my neighbor? And once again, we have this broadening definition of interesting point okay what does it mean to take care of your family letting them sign pieces of paper that they can't afford No, it's, it's an interesting point because it obviously is because everybody's hands are coming up. I'm, I'm not even going to ask you how many of you have loaned money. To, anyway, go ahead. Just give uh, we're We're all in agreement on that part. That's the easy part if you have the money. Somebody else. What are you asking God to do? Violate his word? <laughs> oh, yes. Right. There's always wisdom and prudence. I, I did like your comment. What was it? Give them enough to... Give them enough to do something, but not enough to do nothing. I like that line. Right. You got a comment back there? Right. But not enough to do nothing. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it is saying a my next door neighbor, the person who lives next door to me, is not going to come and ask me to co sign the loan. But my children will. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we do have to apply that to our yeah. And And... I mean, let's face it. They're your kid. They're in trouble. They need help. You're optimistic. If I do this, the, their life will turn around, blah, 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 blah. I mean, we love our kids, okay? But sometimes loving your kids means saying no. Go ahead. Right. But see, I mean, from a business perspective, if you really wanted to get into it you know, as a business perspective, 
you need to start looking at selling shares of a company, which you can do. And what that means is that you as the person giving the money are accepting the possibility of reward and the possibility of risk. I mean, you're, you're buying a share of it. And that's, that's different than, you know, just co-signing a note and it's all yours, but I'm going to suffer the downside if something bad happens. There are Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, I have heard people who apply all of this to things like business partnerships. You know, don't have business partnerships. If you want to start a business and you need financial source, then sell shares of your business. That's fine. But make sure that we know who's in charge, who's responsible, and it's clearly delineated. And so there are things that you, need, you can do to go down this path with regard to businesses, but just co-signing a note because someone happens to either live next door to you or be nice to you, there's a warning. Don't do that. Money changes every relationship. It's as simple as that. Money changes every relationship. Go ahead. There, there's a problem to begin with, or they wouldn't be coming to you. Yes, Barry. Uh, when, did the, when did Shakespeare say, neither a borrower nor a lender be, for a lord of all things is both himself and a friend, and I don't remember that word about borrowing, but it's very scriptural. <laughs> yeah. We're quoting Shakespeare. Neither a lord. <laughs> I can sing. I can actually sing the song. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> he says this is similar to what our government is doing and we are not going to go there oh yes there's a, a fabulous video it's out on YouTube somewhere somebody sent it to me the man, the man goes to the bank officer and says, I want to raise my debt limit. <laughs> and the bank officer goes, what? He said, you know, you owe $114,000, yeah. Are you still making twenty a year? Yeah. <laughs> and you're spending 36000 a year? Yeah. I need to raise my limit. And the guy says, this doesn't make any sense. Well, it ends up, if you look at the ratios of all the numbers, they are the same ratios of the federal government. Okay, you don't ever borrow your way to prosper. Anyway, that's a whole different discussion. Go ahead. Just one more. I, I can't tell when I'm hearing all this, and I, I'm thinking Jimmy Stewart wants a wonderful life. Oh. And, you know, the whole story deal, he goes and borrows money from him. At the end. They lost the money, yeah. <laughs> the money right this was the easy part of today's lesson <laughs> going
Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. We've seen this throughout the book of Proverbs. As you go down the path of wisdom, it's going to take effort. Sometimes you have to be very diligent, work very hard to pursue doing that which is right. Which brings us to the next section. Picking up in verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Why are you all laughing over there? (laughs) I told you at the very beginning, as we work our way through the book of Proverbs, we will be introduced to a cast of characters. Last week we met the adulterous woman. This week we meet the sluggard. That's a nice word, sluggard. All it means is they're lazy. The uh, medieval uh, theologians liked making lists, and they had the list of the seven deadly sins. Generally, generally, when they wanted to put them in order, they put pride at the top of the list. They did that because pride is what tells us what leads us to believe that God doesn't have the right to tell us what to do. Pride gets in the way of every other relationship that we have. That's why the scripture is very clear on the importance of humility. But some medieval theologians, some, put sloth, laziness, at the top of the list. And they did it for this reason. If I am lazy, irregardless of what my other problem might be, I'm not going to do anything to deal with the other problem. I can deal with my pride, but if I'm too lazy to care, I'm not going to do anything about it. This section deals with individuals who are lazy. Now, Throughout the book of Proverbs, we'll find other passages dealing with this particular individual. It's quite a popular topic in the book of Proverbs. Let's take it piece by piece. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The author is telling the sluggard, Go look at nature. You know, there are lessons to be learned by observing nature. Go look at the ant. It has no master or commander. Now, there is a queen sitting back at the nest doing what queens do. But basically, off they go. What this is talking about is the need for self-initiative, to go do the work. If you are the individual that has to have someone standing over you constantly going work, 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 
you will never get very far. At some point, you need to say, hmm, I need to do it, whether someone is standing there telling me to do it or not. There's actually a word for people who only do work when somebody is standing over them. It's probably a slave. You know, with the, the master with the whip going, tsh, tsh. we need self-initiative. Look at the next part. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It is planning ahead, looking ahead to the future, doing the work that needs to be done in the season in which it lives. There are seasons of life. When you are younger, you are being educated, and you are to be diligent in your studies and in your education. That is the season in which you live. You enter the workforce or the maintenance of a household, and that is the season. There are different things that need to be done in the season in which you live. You all know the children's story, don't you, you know? The, the monkeys or whatever animal it was, they built, you know, the, the roof leaks. We can't fix the roof. Huh? Pardon? Pigs. I've heard it with monkeys. No, that's a different story. <laughs> and we can't fix it because it's raining. The sun comes out. You know what? You don't fix the roof. Why do you not fix the roof? Because it's not raining. There is a time to do particular tasks. The time to fix the leaky roof is not when it's raining. And that's what the sluggard is being told. Are you doing the work that needs to be done in the season that you're in right now? All of us are at different seasons of life. The work that we need to do, maybe, will be, is different. But being a sluggard is not appropriate at any season of life. There's, there's a slogan for that. What's that? Cut. I don't know. I, I was in some restaurant uh, on Friday with my daughter, and there was a guy with a, a T-shirt on the back, and uh, it had a his boat and the boat was sinking and his good looking girlfriend was in the boat and he was carrying the beer out of the boat and the thing at the bottom said priorities the boat is insured and she can swim (laughs) I don't know (laughs) that's what I thought of when you said about get out of the boat the connections we make How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? The opposite of working hard is laying there doing nothing. Okay? Just lying there. You know, it's time to get up. You don't want to get up. You lie on your bed, maybe a little bit more. You have nothing to get up for anyway. What difference does it make? They don't care. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. 
I'm going to lay in bed a little bit longer. I don't know. But oftentimes it's not a bed. It's a couch in front of the TV. It's doing this. Nobody wants me. Nobody, I don't have anything to do. I just lay here. And the sluggard begins to make the soft choices continually. What is a soft choice? It's always taking the easy path. Let's face it. It's easier not to get out of bed. Go ahead. That's a different problem. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the book of Proverbs deals with that also. In fact, we saw that last week where we saw the young man being led astray by the adulterous woman. And it said, all my strength, my energy was wasted and other people benefited from my labor. That, that, that is a problem. But it's a different problem than what we're dealing with here. In fact, there's a few different problems and we'll touch on another one in just a moment. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Here is the trend. You ready for this? You should all know this. You fall into the life of folly, the life that is counter to the life of wisdom, usually not by making big choices. You do it by making little choices wrong over and over and over again. What is the verse that says, do not despise the day of small things? There are little things that if done continually will produce a life that is unproductive for God, that, are, that is unproductive toward your family, toward society, and toward yourself. Just a little sleep, a little slumber. And poverty comes upon you. And poverty will come on you like a bandit. Does a bandit come up and, uh, you know, jump out at you in the middle of the street on a busy day? No, kind of sneaks up on you from behind and robs you. And scarcity like an armed man. You wake up one day, you wake up one day and you go, gosh, I'm broke. Society is to blame. Well, it is a tough economy. We talked about that earlier. It is. And rarely, rarely will the sluggard sit there and go, you know, I was a lazy bum for 30 years. No wonder. It does happen sometimes. But we develop the habits, we develop the perspective, and we end up in poverty. This could be physical poverty. In this case, it probably is. It can be spiritual poverty. It can be relational poverty, where our relationships are just wasted. Why? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little making the easy choice over and over and over again. And once again, 
This applies to all of us at whatever age we are. Apathy, which produces the sluggard, can attack us at whatever age we are. Now, let me throw in a couple of more side notes, though. There is an, uh, the other extreme, and just to make sure we cover that, you know, there, there are the workaholics, okay? And there's a biblical solution to that. It's called the Sabbath day. It's stopping and resting, even though your job, your career, your mentality says, I need to keep working. That is a problem. What I think is fascinating, though, is if you talk to the sluggard, they're convinced that if they work hard, they'll become a workaholic. <laughs> and we don't like that. And it's kind of like, no, you're not even close. Don't worry about it yet. But that's the mentality that we have. If I, you know, I don't want to be a workaholic, like, and they fill in the blank with some person that we all know is a workaholic. And it's like, don't worry about it. You're not there yet. There are workaholics, but that's not a common problem these days. Yes? <laughs> and it's a popular saying. He said there was a sign. Nobody ever died of hard work, but why take the chances? But that's the mentality that we have. The reality is, are you ready for this? Hard work is good for you. Working is better than not working. It's as simple as that. God has called us to be productive. Productive could be generating wealth, but that's just one aspect of it. The sluggard is not just not making money. The sluggard is not doing the activities to raise their family, not doing the activities to help the church, not doing any realm of activities because they're making the easy choices. The money is just a piece of it. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with working hard and making money. But it's just a piece of the, the puzzle, a piece of what the sluggard does to us. So, yes, there's a problem. Yes, I mean, there is an opposite problem of being a workaholic. Personally, I don't know a lot of workaholics. I know they're out there, okay? I've read about them. I know they're there. But personally, I don't know a lot of them. I do know some people who are basically lazy. And in fact, I know that in my own life, my tendency is not toward workaholic, workaholism. The tendency is toward laziness. Now, let me throw in one more side note of our busy life in which we live. And I will say this for myself and for my beloved here. Okay? We do need sleep. There's nothing wrong with sleeping. We have a tendency to get involved in so many activities that we are wearing ourselves to death, not that we're being productive, we're just running. We're just busy. And that 
also is yet another problem. Where we don't get the sleep that we need. But that's not what this problem is dealing with. Remember the list from last week? We have needs. God provides a solution for that need. We have a need for sleep. The solution for that is darkness. It's nighttime. What is our solution oftentimes? Run, 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 burn the candle at both ends. Why? Because we don't really trust God. We have lots of activities we want to do. We have, and we just don't take the time to rest. Resting is not what the sluggard is doing. The sluggard is just sitting there doing nothing. My opinion, if I were writing this passage today, I wouldn't have the sluggard sitting on his bed. The sluggard would be sitting on the couch, flipping channels. That's the image that I have in my mind. Sleep is productive if sleep is what you need at a particular moment. Oversleeping is a sign of sloth. Questions, comments? I think it is interesting that these two distinct passages, one dealing with co-signing a note, the second dealing with the sluggard, come back to back. It may be pure coincidence, but I suspect, I suspect that the individual who needs you to co-sign the load needs it because they're not willing to exert the effort to accomplish their goals without that help. That's just speculation on my part. And once again, you don't know. You oftentimes don't know the character of that neighbor, and you are attaching yourself to them. And if they are a sluggard, well, we'll see passages later about attaching yourself to a sluggard. Basically, you end up doing all the work, or the work doesn't get done. Well, we were going to do the next section, but we're out of time. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. For your word. I pray, Lord, that we would be diligent in the work that you set before us, whatever that work is, whether it be great or small, whatever work you give us, I pray, Lord, we would be diligent. And Lord, I pray that we would follow your word toward wisdom at all times. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.